Founders All Day IPA has helped bring you many Listen Money Matters episodes, and today they're sponsoring the show. Session boldly with the IPA that can hang as long as you can. Need to record eight episodes in a day or create a budget with your most important person? Founders All Day IPA will get you there. All Day Session Ale keeps your taste satisfied and your senses sharp, making it the perfect companion for adventure. Naturally brewed with a complex array of malts, grains, and hops, All Day IPA is balanced for optimal aromatics and a clean finish. Make All Day last even longer with a 15-pack. Visit AllDayIPA.com to find All Day IPA near you and start your adventure. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. The bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. It's a good one, actually. <laughs> anyway, my name is Thomas, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking this fine afternoon? So so good, and I just want to say that that, qu- that amazing quote from Benjamin Franklin, I saw on a, a, like a used furniture store's awning, and uh-huh. I, was, I was like, I have to have it. Uh, <laughs> I'm drinking a Boulevardier, which is like Boulevardier. It's like a Negroni when you swap the gin out for whiskey or, yeah. or Wait, rye is it or bourbon. A Boulevardier or a Boulevardier? I I think both of those sound better than what I said. You, you said Boulevardier. I don't know. It, <laughs> yes, but I just okay. I got one at FinCon. It's a Boulevardier, and uh, and Matt convinced Anna to get a Negroni, and. They were selling it, and they were building it up, and I was like, Anna, it's a good drink, but, and I don't want to put this brain worm in your head, but I have to say it, it tastes a little bit like cough drops. No. And then she got it, and she sipped it, and she's like, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> boo, Thomas, boo. <laughs> but a Boulevardier doesn't, so it's, it's the gin that does it. Anywho, I'm drinking a Lacra, so again, boring, mm. but I've got some, I've got some, uh, Oh, what is it called? High Noon Double Rye Whiskey downstairs. That'll probably have later tonight. It's really good if you can find it. It's really spicy. Ah, oh. good stuff. I love a good spicy rye. So I'll tell you what. I will have some, but I got to keep mentally, you know, fit for the day. Rumor has it you're coming to New York soon, and when you do, I've, I've not heard of that. It sounds delicious. Bring one, and I will find you a special one, and we'll do like a, a swap. All right, if I can bring one. I don't do. I don't do. Uh, I don't check luggage. So, oh shit! Yeah, me neither. I don't. Like I didn't even a, think of that. A little tiny three ounce bottle and bring mm-hmm. it for you. Deal. Anywho, guys, on today's episode, we are talking about. I guess you shouldn't say guys because today's episode, we're talking about how women can make more money in their jobs and negotiate raises. And our guest on today's show is Allegra Brantley, who specializes in this. At least, well, Allegra, it's, it's kind of a side gig for you, right? It is. Hi, guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um. You know, it's one of those things that came about from a personal need to make more money and to get a raise. And once I had navigated that, you know, unstable terrain, I felt like I really had a handle on it and wanted to pass my newfound knowledge on to other women. Did your friends come to you and just like, Allegra, (laughs) like, do it for me, like... No more. I went to my friends and said, listen to what I just did. Uh, where are you at? Do you think that you are making as much as you should be making in your role? What are the guys at your company making? And you should stand up and ask for more. And a lot of them were like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're just having dinner. Calm it down. <laughs> but then they all um, really started thinking about it. And it was, it was really interesting. So now I have had people reaching out to me because they've heard through my friends um, and now friends of friends. And, um, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, what I really learned was I hadn't grasped my full value as an employee. Um, and once I did, it was one of those things where how could I not stand up and ask for and negotiate a salary? And that's really the headspace you have to get in before this works. Um, so I actually spend the majority of my time just talking to women about how valuable they really are until it penetrates their skull they can't stop thinking about it and they want to be you know earning um a substantial amount for their value so that's awesome and then i guess you go forward from there and help them with the tactical negotiation process exactly it's really just ensuring them 
uh, again, they know what to do because we spend all day negotiating. I mean, if you have a boyfriend, you're negotiating to get things you want <laughs> and you're usually really good at it. So a lot of same tactics apply. It's just for some reason with an employer, it seems so scary and yeah. y- you know, it, it's just wild that it is that way. I think we look a lot of times to our employers, um, for, you know, they, they mean so much to us because they pay our paychecks. But if you flip that, they have no work done unless they have us there, you know? Yeah. And a lot of times we're really critical in our organizations, not just we women, but anyone who's working for an employer, um, they obviously have that role for a reason. We just have to kind of remember that. Yeah, I, I really resonate with that. And that's something that I try to tell people who are coming out of college because when you're younger and you're just graduating, it, it's really easy to view an employer as like this monolithic giant organization. And, you know, you see yourself as almost worthless to them and they're just giving you a paycheck because they're benevolent. But that's like you said, it's not like that. It's like you're just trading services and you're helping them. And, you know, as somebody who I don't employ people as employees, but I pay people as contractors, those people like I need them. Exactly. I couldn't get everything that I need to get done without them. And I mean, Andrew, you're the same way. You have people that you really rely on. So I like just building that fundamental mindset into other people's minds. Same. And I'm I think you're, you deal with like people, right? Like, and um, I, I'm curious because I, I have my approach and I don't know if my approach is good for anyone other than like a short, loud man like me. Uh, but I imagine... Uh, the approach for, for you and helping your friends to negotiate a salary is much different than, say, how a guy would do it. So I, I think it probably is. I probably haven't talked to enough guys about how they negotiate. But let me ask you guys this. Mm. When you were applying for your first job and you got an offer, did you accept the salary that was offered or did you negotiate it? My first job, I accepted it and I celebrated. <laughs> I was like, they're paying me money. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> uh, it's it's tough for me to answer that question because the last job I accepted was my sophomore year internship. And I just I, they told me it's 15 bucks an hour. And I said, cool, I'll take that. Um, I've never had a full time job after that. So. Well, I actually think you're kind of lucky in that regard, but <laughs> I, I will say I also accepted my first time offer. Mm-hmm. I will never forget this because I had flown to New York um, for a sad reason, actually, for to attend a funeral. But I had been in talks with um, the Estee Lauder companies for a job. And I actually let them know that I was in the city in case they wanted an in-person interview. They said yes. And so I thought I was going to a fourth interview this time, just in person. And actually they offered me the job on the spot, which was such a shock. And I was so sweaty from running from grand central and it was just kind of a hot mess situation, (laughs) but they, um, I'll never forget. She said, you know, and, and that will be, uh, you know, $40,000. Do you accept? And I just said, yes. And she looked at me and said, so I can confirm that you are accepting that the salary will be $40,000. And I knew from the way she said it back to me to get me to hurry up and sign, I had done something wrong, but it took me years to realize what I'd done because Mm -hmm. coming from Miami where there wasn't even income tax and I was making less than that, I thought, I just got a $10,000 raise. This is amazing. (laughs) Not even considering the expense of New York and not taking into that um, taxation issue. So I, I really landed in New York just kind of in a huge money crunch and it went on from there. Um, and until, and, and I will give credit, um, to, uh, an ex-boyfriend who really did guide me through getting my first big raise. And, you know, once I, once I learned that I already, you know, we all know how to negotiate. We all know, um, how to look up on line, you know, really just type into Google, how much is a project manager making in New York city um, with X amount of years of experience? Glassdoor's got it right there for you. I mean, you always need to find out your numbers, but once you have those numbers, there's no reason that you shouldn't be making in that range. And I would say at the top of that range, Mm. as long as you can prove that, you know, you, you deserve it. And oftentimes we all do deserve it. We spend our, the majority of our life working, especially at this age, you know? So why would we not be 
you know, earning at the top end. And then there's all the statistics that, you know, are, are really just bonkers that the wage gap can cost a full-time working woman upwards of $400,000 over the course of her career, wow. which means she'll need Damn. to work 10 plus years just to achieve income equality with a male counterpart doing the same job. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's can go on many years. And then this is all compounded by the fact that her savings need to stretch in retirement based on an average life expectancy that gives her another five plus years mm-hmm. after men. So collectively, women are losing billions annually in wages due to paid inequity. So we can complain about the unfairness of that and chant about equal work for equal pay. But the only way that something's going to get done about it is if you stand up and ask for it. And it is scary, but it is so worth it. So can you tell us about your personal experiences doing this? Because I'm guessing, you know, to help other people, you have a lot of your own experiences standing up and asking for more money that were successful. Sure. Yeah. So, um, the, so the current job that I work at, I had a startup before this and, you know, I left the Estee Lauder companies and gone into this startup and just put myself in a ton of debt. And in the end, the startup, um, didn't end up working out. I put it to bed. It was a really great experience, but I thought, oh shit. Oh, can I say that? Yes. You can. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh shit. I can't reach um, you with this ruler. <laughs> so I thought, oh my God, I just lost all of this time in the workforce, which you hear those stories about women going out of the workforce to start a family and how it's very difficult to get back in. And because they've lost, you know, years off their experience, they're also losing dollars off their, their salary. But I basically was just in one of those states of panic where I needed to get another job. So I went looking for a company that would hire me and I totally took another low ball offer. Um, the difference was, is I was older and I had more wherewithal. So I got into this role that I'm currently in and it was a sales role. It actually wasn't even a sales role at first, but Turns out they needed someone to do sales. I'd gotten in the door and I thought, okay, let me figure that out. And I was really good at it. So a year later, I knew that I needed to be making a lot more money. And so I did one, you know, 10K um, upgrade um, in the first year. And then an interesting thing happened. I had a female boss. And, you know, if anyone out there has read, um, Cheryl Sandberg's, uh, lean in, they know that women are incredible mentors, but a lot of times, you know, men are, can be, you know, equally or even more important because at the end of the day, the stats are the stats and there's a lot more men in the C-suite even today than there are women. And it was very interesting that my female boss was in, in some ways less likely to pay me more than when she left and I got a male boss. Um, Why do you think that yeah. is? Um, well, a few reasons. Her personally, she's also a very startup mentality person. So she wanted to keep everyone, you know, being paid as low as possible. But once we grew this into, uh, you know, an international company with good amount of sales, there's no reason to keep, you know, your employees being paid under market value just to net more. That's just not good business. Um, It's very short-sighted too. It is short-sighted. So in the end, I would say one of the biggest things I learned is know who you're negotiating with and what motivates them. Mm-hmm. I, I know that because I was in sales, um, one, I have numbers in my favor. I can say I've made you this amount and standard. I should be making, you know, standard in New York city for, um, a sales associate manager director. You know, you can look up all of these numbers, but if I'm making you X amount, I should be at least taking home, you know, 25% as a baseline salary. And then I need commission on top of that. And it's going to be dependent on everyone's role and, and the company type, but, um, definitely know who you're negotiating with and what motivates them because you can spend all day saying, these are my numbers or this is what I'm good at. This is what I do for you, 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 like this is how great I am for you, but you need to understand 
what they care about. Can you give us an example, like say for for your female boss or even your male boss on like how you were able to even perceive what they want so you can give them that, you know, and and get the raise? Well, I will say it's very important to um, have good relationships with your colleagues because I did have some kind of insider information that my employers were motivated out of contacts. So in essence, if I'm a salesperson and I'm, you know, first on the line with all these contacts, you don't want me going anywhere else. It's going to be really hard for me to walk out the door with contacts that you have. So I knew that that was a motivator for them. Now, I didn't know that on my own. Someone kind of had to bring that to my attention, but that's why it's really good to, you know, network in and around your company so that you can kind of get these, these inroads and, and shine a little light on, you know, who it is you're negotiating with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a really big one. And I forget the question. Was that the question? Mm. Um, so, so part of it, I guess it was just um, like perceiving what they want, right? Because I don't yes. think you can go up to your boss and be like, what do you want? One more hour of mine in the morning. Okay, cool. I'm going to do that tomorrow. And then just give me 5,000 more because I'm doing what you want. It's kind of like a subtext game, I imagine. It is. It is. It's definitely um, putting a lot of thought into what's going to motivate them. But more than anything, if you can find out or figure out that you're being underpaid to begin with, Mm -hmm. you've got grounds to go and talk to them. And it doesn't have to be a, I found out he's earning more situation. It's a, we haven't had a conversation about this a while. Um, And, you know, actually in the market, someone doing this job is earning this range. And I feel that I've been invaluable to this company and I'd like to be making within this range too. I'm sure you can understand that. Putting it back on them and making sure that you are stating rather than really asking because it might be a shock that you're having this conversation initially. If you're the kind of person who hasn't asked for a raise in many years, and there's so many people out there like it, I couldn't believe it because even when I got back into the workforce, I I was immediately one year in, need this big raise, another year in, need this really big raise. My second raise was $25,000, like boom, on the spot. So do you think people should ask for a raise like once a year at least? Oh yeah, definitely. Cool. And I think that your employer should know that you're going to be that kind of person. Anyone who spent a year with a company has learned a year worth of skill sets. So yeah. you become a better employee. At, you know, it should be that you are more efficient at your job and you have, you know, again, made better uh, relationships to, to get things moving. It's always in their favor to okay. pay you more than to go find someone else and start the process over. Allegra, if yeah, you were my boss huge- and I was like, Hey, like, can we just like talk for a minute? And you know, we go into a, a, an office and I'm like, uh, I've been here for a year. Um, I need you to pay me more. I mean, is that how it works? Because <laughs> if I was on their side of the table, I'd, I would just be like, <laughs> yeah. is that it? No, no, maybe not exactly like that. a little more classy would, than that. Yeah, I would say let your boss know that you'd like a meeting to, you know, talk to them, just that you want to have a personal meeting. And then when you go and have that meeting is when you say, listen, you know, I've been here a year. Um, I really enjoy working here. I think that I've really come up to speed with what it is we do here and, you know, give some self, uh, promotion. We should always be Mm self-promoting and then say, you know, I've done a little research and although I came in at this amount, um, I see that people in this role are making this amount and I know it's quite a jump, but we, I'd like to work with you to get my, to get me into that range so that I can feel confident, you know, that this is a mutually beneficial relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think people are really scared of doing that, but we're all human. And I know that if someone was going to come to me and say that I'd say, okay. And I'd also probably know I'm, I've lowballed them and I'm paying them, you know, under market value. And there may very well be someone in that same job role that's being paid more and go figure time's up. (laughs) They found Mm -hmm. out. This is how it goes. The other thing I really want to say is that the most important number that's ever attached to you is the number you go into a company at. 
So never accept an offer without negotiating and never accept an offer that they're lowballing you to begin with. Always know what range you should be in before you're going into the company, because that's what keeps you from having to get like a $10,000 and a $15,000 jump. Of course, those are always nice. And honestly, I'm of the mindset that you should be moving jobs every two years, because if you've done a job for two years and you don't know how to do it the best that you can, then you've probably been a little bit lazy at your job. I think that we're all really, you know, intelligent, motivated, especially millennials. They are just hungry to learn and optimize Mm -hmm. and, and be better at what they do. We're proud of what we do. So, you know, there's a great, um, and I can try and find it and send it to you guys, but basically it's these, uh, diagrams that show someone who stays in a steady job over the course of, 30 odd years. And it's a very slow incline. And then it shows someone who switches jobs every two years. And I mean, the amount of money they can earn over their career span is so huge because every time you learn new skill sets and you go to another job, you take those with you. Mm. And even if it's within the same company and you're just moving to another role, not only should you be getting a salary every year, but you should be getting a new job every few years so that you're growing, expanding. So, oh, wow. I just found the graph. Uh, on Forbes, it says huh? employees who stay in companies longer than two years get paid 50% less Wow. Over, over lifetime. That's insane. But it makes sense to me because it's – I feel like and maybe you can confirm or deny this. You have more negotiating power before you're hired because the salary is usually one of the last things that's finally decided upon. And at that point, they're already kind of invested in you. They can see you working there. They know what your skill set is. You've presented yourself – and now they basically have to woo you. Whereas when you're working there already, they have a little more power because you're kind of entrenched in that role and it would be tough to go move. Like it's just as tough on you as it is on them to find someone new. So I will say from my experience, it's much harder to get a huge raise within a company because like I said, you're, you're so attached to that first number mm-hmm. in that it's a lot easier to get a big jump when you're switching roles. So I've been in the room with um, a girlfriend that I was helping get a significant raise. She was moving companies and she, she ended up earning, I think it was $35,000 more than she was earning at her previous role wow. because she wow. not only, yeah, no, I know she not only, um, obviously the salary was a big increase, but she was taking on a much bigger role and she was willing to do it for basically 30,000 less. That's another thing. People are willing to move jobs for 5k. And I'm like, would you move apartments for 5k? Would you you switch up your whole life for 5k? Yeah, that's a lot over the year. That's so inconsequential in a way. I mean, of course we'd love that extra money in our savings, but we know we're probably not going to save it. So like, Mm. let's get way more money so we can take a chunk and actually save it. Um, and not I think maybe any any raise number that gets thrown out, you should immediately divide it by twelve in your head, and then like mm. take thirty percent off of that just for taxes, and just be like, all right, this is how much will actually hit my bank account every month with I this raise. I think. Oh, it's like two hundred bucks. That's not very much. <laughs> I think that's really good advice. Listen Money Matters is brought to you by Varo. Managing your money can be a nightmare, but with Varo, you're able to manage all your accounts from one intuitive app. No more jumping from one banking app to another just to figure out your finances. With Varo, online banking and money management tools are rolled into one. This allows you to see your complete financial picture right from your phone, making budgeting decisions on the fly easier than ever. Learn to set spending goals, manage expenses, and budget for little things like dining out. Or those big ticket items like that European vacation you always wanted to take. If you're ready for a new way of banking that's built around your behavior, sign up for Varo Early Access today. Go to varomoney.com slash listen. That's V-A-R-O money.com slash listen. Banking services provided by Bancorp Bank, member FDIC. What if I told you that you can get lower rates on life insurance by living a health-conscious lifestyle? Many people who exercise regularly don't realize they can get special life insurance rates through Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to get lower rates for the health conscious, including those who exercise regularly through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, and many other activities. 
They even have worked with an insurer to replace the BMI measurement with a waist-to-hip ratio, a far better predictor of cardiovascular health and more advantageous to weightlifters. All you have to do is take the Health IQ quiz to see how you qualify. To receive a free quote and to learn more, head to healthiq.com slash listen. That's healthiq.com slash listen. Health IQ, celebrating the health conscious. Allegra, you're super confident, you're outgoing. I can imagine going into one of these meetings that uh, it is like, as per your personality type, to to ask. And that, that you're not the, the type of person that would be afraid. But I think a lot of people are not that. Um, but, but they also deserve to be compensated for the work they do. How, what would you say to them? Because... To, to handle that. Cause I'm sure they're super nervous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would say I understand that it's nerve wracking, even though I exude this confidence, I have been so nerve wracked in these meetings myself. But once you're in the meeting, you have to be direct. I recommend being seated. I recommend being brief and I recommend in preparation that you ask yourself, And your point is as a phrase to everything you're going to say so that if you're sure you can answer it in the fewest words as possible to, you know, to your employer, um, then it can be a short, you know, not as painful as you're going to imagine it meeting and that you, you know, cut out all of these intensifiers really, truly, essentially, fundamentally, no, just get to the point, just Mm. say you know, this is the range that I've found um, people in this exact position making in this city. <laughs> you you yeah. don't have to make it as scholarly as that, but you know what I'm saying? Just get to it. And mm-hmm. and I think that women do, um, you know, I, I would recommend they resist the temptation to soften their voice and have a very sweet register or be low in volume. This is the moment where you need to be confident because you deserve to be making as much as anyone in that range. And if you are not, you should be pissed yeah. a little bit. You should let yeah. that drive you not only into that meeting, but into getting your message across because it's not like yeah. you can do this three or four times. So why not just try and be succinct and, and strong for the 15 minutes it's going to take that might, that will likely get you a pay rise. And if you're not going to get a pay rise there, that's just proof. You probably shouldn't be in that job. If they're not willing Mm -hmm. to pay you market value for your work, that means they don't appreciate you as much. And, and maybe if they do, and they were trying to kind of bluff, you know, they should learn that lesson and you should move on anyways. And when you move on, you can probably make more in that jump and then more across your lifetime, more to save, more to retire on, Listen, money matters. Success. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would say the I, I love the I you know the the tip to be confident, go in there, and not be adding a bunch of qualifiers and essentialism. Really, um, with getting pissed, I love using that motivation to go in there and be confident. But I think it is important to not go in and and come off as like combative. Absolutely. So maybe it's a good idea to like give the company the benefit of the doubt up front. And then if they prove themselves to actually be cheapskates, you know, then move on or something like that. But if it were me going in, I'd be like, okay, you know, everyone starts at this range. I'm going to go in and confidently ask for more money, but I'm not going to go in with a mindset that like they're screwing me over. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere if you're aggressive, being direct and confident is important, but you're also, again, use the human contact, smile, make eye contact. This, This is someone you, if you don't know them personally and experience time with them often in the office, you still know them, you know about them and you know, they know about you too. So it should not be a war zone. And if anything, you have to remember this stuff takes time. So the meeting Mm -hmm. is just one thing, but now there's the time for, okay, well, we think there oftentimes they'll say things like, well, we think, you know, we can develop, you know, over a year to get you closer to that range. And so the meeting is just the first part, but you're going to have to stay firm. But firm is so different than being aggressive. Aggressive has, um, you know, anger to it. And there's no reason to be anger. There's reason to 
stand up for your value and know that once you've done it, you can be confident to do it forevermore. You can share that with your friends. That's all I want to do here. I want everyone who's listening to go and check their numbers and see if they are making the right amount, do a little digging. And also I hate that it is taboo to talk about how much you earn. I talk about how much every single friend. And I will tell you, at first, it blows their mind like when you say it, right? Like, oh yeah. my God, you're telling me this? Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, and I know that companies try and keep you from doing it with one another, but I'll ask oh, you, yeah. why do you think that? I've <laughs> always talked There's about There's a really good teams. Adam Ruins Everything video about this, and I, I think everyone should go watch it. Yeah, because it, it's definitely in the company's best interest not to have employees telling each other what they're paid because that gives them all the power. If you don't know what Jeff in the cubicle down the hall is making, you can't go in and say, well, Jeff's making this and I'm doing more work than Jeff. You know, So it does make sense to talk and people are still going to be all taboo about it, but I agree 100%. You know, talk about what you earn. It's funny. I, I, I would like um, interview people to hire onto the team, I don't know various teams I've worked for, and you could tell when someone is a rock star and I mean, as part of the conversation, like asking how much they're making, whatever. And I was never like the hiring manager, um, but they would tell me how much they're making. And I know how much they could or should be making. And I would often be like, well, you should probably ask for this. And like, ah, that's like, I'm like, no, just trust me. Because <laughs> if they're awesome, you want them to stay. And when they do find yeah. out it's going to be more money. Uh, and and like, like you said, it's easier to get it when you jump. Uh, mm-hmm. you put in so much work to get awesome people. Like you got to keep them. It's so true. And yeah. that's, what, that's what we were saying about it being a mutually beneficial thing. Mm. We just, we have this weird feeling that our, our job pays us, but we pay them too. Yeah. We yeah. pay them in the work that we do. And, and if your we boss do doesn't work, pay you, but he or she needs you. So when, when they pay you more, it often has no real effect on them, except that you're happier. Yeah. That's another thing. We yeah. get so concerned that it's coming directly out of our boss's pocket. <laughs> Usually it has nothing to do with them. They just need to go and ask somebody else, hey, I need another AK for this person because you know I, I think they're great at what they do and they need to be earning more. And they'll fight for you if you mm. fight for yourself. It's contagious. Yep. You know, Confidence begets confidence. It's just how it works. Now, maybe we need to reframe it a little bit. Like If you go into the negotiation, say the word pay, but... It, it's not that your boss is paying you. It's that you're trading with your boss. You're mm. trading with your company. So is, is it a fair trade what you're giving them for what you're getting? Exactly. Is it a fair trade? And do you want to be earning you know, as much as you potentially can? Yes, we all want to earn more. So why not at least be earning what we're due at this current moment? You know, I really do yeah. think everyone should at least go to Glassdoor and figure out if they're in their range and then start talking to friends. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter what my friends are making. Cause you know, she's a museum curator or she is a retail associate. Good. Know what they make too. Like we should all know what everyone's making in these different jobs because eventually I might have a daughter that wants to be a museum curator and I'm interested in knowing that market or, you know, especially um, people in startups, they have to hire contractors all the time. So how much does it cost to get a website build built? And I know someone who's, you know, a freelance website maker. Oh my it's good to know. <laughs> I used to be a freelance web designer. So that was my first experience with figuring out like how much I should be paid. Like my first website, I got paid 350 bucks What? and <laughs> I drove like half an hour each way to the company. That should be worth $350 just driving down. <laughs> I'd sit down meetings with the CEO of the company where he like nitpicked every aspect of the website. You know, this is my first one. So I was grateful to be getting anything, mm. but still, you know, eventually it, within a year I was like, all right, I'm going to quote $2,000 for this website. And I was scared uh, and then they were like, yeah, that sounds good. And then with my website, I asked a few people um, at some point, you know, after Martin and I had built it, I was like, you know, how much would you have charged to build this website? And they were like, oh, at least 10 K mm. at the oh, very wow. least. So yeah, it's just very interesting. Um, I wanted to mention, since you mentioned Glassdoor, just like the other week, LinkedIn released their own salary search tool. Really? So yeah, it's linkedin.com slash salary. I don't know how, if it's more accurate or less accurate or more comprehensive or what than Glassdoor, but you can put in a job title and a location. 
Um, here, I'll put in data analyst. I don't know. What, what are you? You're, you're engineer, are you data, sir. Data engineer. Data <laughs> engineer for New York City, greater New York City area. It's going to say you should be making $120,000 a year total compensation is the median. Winning. So <laughs> I'm guessing that means you make more than that. <laughs> a, a little bit. But, oh yeah, just a little bit. Just, just, a couple, little, just a little bit. A couple dozen G's, you know. Allegra, <laughs> you, you had brought something up. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we gotta sprinkle that out there. <laughs> thank, thank you, Thomas. <laughs> uh, no, hey, you're the you're the one who gloated when I said the number. Well, you could have been like, what the fuck, man. <laughs> When you do have friends that are working in similar industries than you and you find out they're making more, I mean, that's the biggest motivator. Because yes. either they're better than you at what they do or they have an employer that believes they're better at, at you than what they yeah. do. So it's it's really good to know that. You know, and um, to, to further on that point, uh, a lot of it actually comes down to the title that you give yourself, at least in the development space, I'm a quote unquote data engineer, but I can name a slew of titles that are, are very, very similar to mine and get paid like half that. Um, yeah. But it's because everyone's a Python developer or whatever. Very few people um, niche That's down. That's why I told my uh, roommate to put the Burger King job on his re- resume as burger technician. <laughs> <laughs> burger engineer. Um, <laughs> Burger, yeah, there you go. Sandwich artist Allegra, you'd brought up uh, a few minutes ago how, how like uh, there's a, there's a process to it, and and I, I really resonate with you go in there and you talk with your your manager and you're like I want to raise and they're like yeah you know you deserve a raise I'm totally with you and then they go home to their husband or wife or or a slew of cats and and their life happens and I mean. They're, they're not thinking about you, right? They have, they have their own things to worry about. And so a week passes and it's not because they don't want to hook you up. They're just not concerned with your salary. They're concerned with their salary. So how do you uh, gracefully guide this so that um, you're, you're not coming across like an asshole? So you pretend that you're in sales because you are in sales. We are all in sales and we have to sell ourselves. So once you start to talk about this, it's like anyone who knows a sales process, you are going through the system. You've had the first point of contact, you've you know, done the offer stage, and now they're going through the sales funnel and you just don't let up until you get a firm no. So I know nothing about yeah. sales. Can you can you maybe give me like an idea of like like do I do I prospect? I know I know prospecting. <laughs> I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Prospecting With and like then profit pickaxe? at the end. Yeah. So you prospect, which is when you're figuring out, you know, your leads. Who can you go and sell something to? Well, in this case, you know exactly who you're going to sell yourself to. It's your boss or whoever's got, you know, the the management ability to decide on whether you can have a raise. So you get the meeting with them and then you have the first meeting. And so it's funny because in Salesforce, you could literally mark now I've had the first email out and then the first, you know, meeting and then the follow-up on the meeting. And it's just sales and good business is relentless follow-up. It's the same thing in this case. So once you've had a meeting, I would not leave the room without saying, um, deciphering when you're going to talk about it next. Because if, if this is news to them that you're coming in, Mm. uh, for a a pay rise effectively that they weren't assuming you were going to come talk to them about, then you need to give them some time or they might need to take some time. And you can say that, um, you know, when, when could we talk about this next? you know, and then you get a date locked in. And then if they pass that date and this happens so frequently, every time I've ever pretty much helped someone get a raise or even with myself, they say, I I say, can, can we talk about this again in a week? Can we continue this conversation in a week? No one needs more than a week to sleep on, discuss, talk Mm. to supervisors, et cetera. They say, yes, that week usually blows by, but do I wait until that exact day to follow up with them? Yes. The morning of that day, if I haven't heard anything, I say, so are we still on for our conversation today? And then they are forced to say, actually, I wasn't able to get to what I need to do. And then you stay on them because people will try and just push you. And yeah. and there are some 
people who get a little too nervous of the process, even though they've started it, they just don't want to keep dealing with it. And so they'll let, they'll, fall, they'll let it fall off. That's the same thing in sales. Sometimes you can sell to someone who is not quite ready, but will be ready and you just lose touch with them. Same thing here. So I would just consider it like a sale. All right. I have a question for you. That's not really related to getting a raise, but so you're talking about following up, you kind of have to get on people. So I get questions from students who they're trying to get jobs, right? And I tell them after you apply for a job, you need to call a hiring manager or somebody at that company and say, Hey, I applied. I'm really excited. I would love to set up an interview. At, do you use this same process? Like, is there is there like a greater or lesser amount of sales pressure that it is appropriate to put on a company that it maybe is hiring, but isn't hiring you yet to get that job? It's funny because I have an ex-boyfriend who used to tell me that I get jobs because I'm just so damn annoying that they're, <laughs> they'd rather just hire me than ignore me because I'm going to uh-huh. keep coming back. I... I kind of take this approach and everything, and maybe that is why I'm good at sales. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the same thing that you would tell them to call the company to, for example, there was a company that I was interested in recently that's so new. There's only seven people on LinkedIn that say that they work for that company. Well, I reached out to every single person on LinkedIn. And when I didn't hear back, I reached out to everyone on that I have as a first degree connection that they have as a first degree connection. And I prioritized it in order of who I know the best that I think will forward on a resume and a blurb on me down to the least. And even when that didn't work, because this company is so crazy in startup mode, I um, started talking to everyone about this company. And eventually, at some you know cocktail thing, a woman said, oh, I was actually on a phone call with someone who I think works there. I can't exactly remember. And the most random contact was the one that ended up working. So it's all about persistence, mm. not just with getting a job, but with getting a raise. And did you get hired? I'm in... Uh, T- TBD. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They're in stealth mode. Exactly. Stealth mode. Looking good though. Looking good. Looking okay. good. Okay. That is excellent. You know, cause even as a pretty confident person there, I always question like what level is too much? How, you know, at what level are you being too annoying? And I guess whatever level I may have thought was too annoying is below the levels that you have gone to and been successful in using. So I guess I, think, I can use that as vindication, be annoying, be, be persistent. Well, I think it's also the approach, right? Because you could, you could send one email and be the worst or you could send 10 yeah. and they're waiting for your 11th. That's exactly. true. Yeah. And I think it's also just about being authentic. If you're telling someone, Hey, I really mm. want to work for this company more than any other company. And I, and I really just can't stop until we at least have an in-person meeting. Can you give me 15 minutes? I mean, yeah. who's really going to say no to that? I, there's yes. so many people in my life that, you know, they, they may have to remind me cause I'm busy doing things. I'm fake busy. I'm a New Yorker, you know, we're not we're really <laughs> as busy as we think we are. Tell like it is, <laughs> you know, and they're like, I don't mean to be annoying. I'm like, you're not being annoying. Thank you for reminding me or else we wouldn't have gotten to this coffee, even though it took six months. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, I would get back That's to you, good. but I'm watching Westworld right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I heard that show was good. I haven't seen it's, it. It's yet, pretty though. good. Yeah. Is it? All right, I, like I might it. have to watch it. I'm watching the crown right now. So me too. Are you? Me too. I'm four episodes in. I'm enjoying it. It's good. Have you read all the Wikipedia backs or do you know all the backstory on the, um, no. So the, the most that I know is I watched the King's speech. So the first episode of the crown was like, Oh, I, that, a lot of this is familiar to me because mm-hmm. it's basically follow up off that movie. And then as I'm listening to this world war one history podcast, uh, Carlin mentions Churchill a lot, which is the reason I started watching. So <laughs> I know some of the back history of like how Churchill got elected the second time and everything, but otherwise no. So that means nothing is like, History has not spoiled the show for me, which is great. <laughs> oh, I'm so intrigued by the whole um, older brother abdicating the throne to be with the mm. divorcee American woman. I mean, that stuff is just. Yeah, cool. it's it's pretty cool. I have to it wait. Really my, my girlfriend wants to watch it and I didn't know that. So she has to catch up. Oh, she's got four episodes to watch before I can start watching it again. But that's OK, because <laughs> running your own business means there's literally always work to do. <laughs> 
is true. So, so I have one uh, big final question before we probably wrap up. Well, then I also have a big one, but go. Okay, I know you. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'll let you do yours after this. So I know that you personally have been helping you know your female friends to get pay rises, and there definitely is a wage gap. Uh, I'm not sure of all the specifics of what causes it, but it seems like a lot of what you've talked about in this episode is universally applicable to people of both genders. So, or whatever. So do you think there's just like a, I don't know, cultural norm for guys to be more natural at doing this stuff? Or like, is there, is there something that women can do to kind of catch up or do they need to catch up? Is there something that's kind of keeping them down that they can control? So this is my personal belief. So take it with a grain of salt, but I do think that gender roles play into this. Um, just as we go back in history, I think men have typically been providers. And I think that for some reason it's more ingrained in them to ask for more money because if they're providing, why not bring home the most amount of bacon? Mm -hmm. So usually when I ask that question of, well, did you negotiate your first job role? When I talk to a guy, they usually say yes. And I'm always like, well, how did you know to do that? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, that's just incredible because I actually have female friends, um, one in particular who I'm thinking of, who's the CEO of her um, social media marketing company, and she's hired men and women. And it's gotten to the point where she knows that the man is going to ask for a raise and that most likely the woman, especially if she's early in her career, is not. And so effectively, if he asks for more than she was putting away, I mean, she can use her money too. And that's how this kind of bad cycle goes um, because guys just automatically do it and women, for some reason, don't. Okay. Well, so, I mean, that is, that is a problem, but it's also actually kind of promising to hear because at least to me, that means that one of the things that causes the wage gap is something that each individual woman can control just by learning that you need to ask. Definitely. Um, so Thomas basically like read my mind and asked my question, (laughs) but I maybe want to then throw a cherry on top because, um, I, I don't know that I believe that the the approach, I mean, is the same between guys and girls. And I think that, um, and not to use like whatever words, but guys could go in guns blazing. And I think uh, people may let it go where, you know, um, and I think Sheryl Sandberg uses this word, like girls may come across as bossy or, you know, be construed differently. So is there a conscious approach to how you word and message it and handle the situation as opposed to like the lack of grace that a guy may do it with? So that's interesting. I, I mean, I do feel that oftentimes women can get the rap for being too bossy when they're really saying or asking for the same thing as a male counterpart might be. And that's just, that's a sticky situation and it's, it's the time that we live in. And, and, and I would say again, our authentic selves are usually really good, really hard workers and they want to make our company proud and they want to, you know, talk about what they do in a good light. And so it has to be this mutually beneficial relationship where they feel that they're getting paid the right amount, you know, equal to a male counterpart or at least equal to what the job market demands. And so the best approach is really just being honest because Hmm. especially if you find out you're making way less than you should have been, you are going to be pissed at first, but the piss is just to motivate you. Hmm. Once you, once you're motivated, get the meeting, Once you get the meeting, be honest, be direct, be clear, and you'll find out in that meeting whether you're at the right company. Maybe you believed you were, but if you're, um, you know, somewhere that they're not paying you the appropriate amount of money, then you you should take your talents elsewhere anyways. It's just hard to realize at first. So I I can't be clear enough on the the male to female because I'm only one. But yes, I get called bossy. Always have. <laughs> I don't mind though. <laughs> that's a spirit. Well, Who cares good. what other yeah. people think? <laughs> well, I think this has been really good. I think that 
anybody listening, women especially, now have a sort of roadmap laid in front of them for making more money. So, Allegra, I, I know this is kind of like a hobby for you, but if people do want to reach out and maybe ask to pick your brain or work with you or at least, you know, connect with you, where should they go? Yeah, I guess they can just personally email me. Okay. Um, I'll give you my email. It's ambrantley at gmail.com. And Brantley is without an E. So just B-R-A-N-T-L-Y. And it'll, um, I'll be happy to hear from anyone and either, you know, consult with them directly or turn them on to the right, you know, places or information where they can learn more about this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an awesome episode and it's been great talking to you. I can't tell you how great this has been for me because I didn't get to fangirl at the beginning. But I mean, I told you guys before the show started that you are what got me into podcasts to begin with and got me, helped me get out of debt and just really own my financial situation um, like a boss. And it's really awesome. And so to be a guest on my first and favorite podcast is is truly incredible. So thank you guys for the opportunity to come and talk to all these ladies. And I hope everyone goes and makes an effort to make more money because we can all use more money. Yeah, definitely. And wow, no yeah. problem. It was great talking to you. And I mean, that's actually kind of how I started too. Just I like the show. Let me on it. <laughs> I know. I know. See, that, I, that story is so great. <laughs> All right. So, hey, guys, if you want to get in contact with us or you want to get in contact with Legra, we'll have email or her email in the show notes. Our email is listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. And you can also find our forums where we have community members sharing lots of their stories and tips and tricks that work for them over at pro.listenmoneymatters.com. Got a lot of other cool features there. And you can find our favorite tools and books, which uh, what was that book that we mentioned in this episode? Lean in, is that what it's called? Lean in, yeah, sure. Lean in, okay. So we'll we'll link to Lean in in the show notes. It may end up on our bookshelf as well. And you can find that over at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. So thanks so much for hanging out with us and we will see you in next week's episode. Later. Later, man. Tell your friends about this show. Support for this podcast comes from Varo, a new and better way to manage your money, all from an intuitive app on your phone. Learn to set spending goals, manage expenses, and use money wisely while on the go. Sign up for early access at varomoney.com slash listen.